Hello and welcome to our podcast, Boozy Books and Movies, where my wife and I are going to get really drunk and talk about books and then how they compare to their movie or TV show counterparts. Section 5, also a pretty impactful section. So, it says Wednesday night. Fred Peterson slipped the noose around his neck and yanked it until the knot rested against the angle of his jaw, as the Wikipedia Mm -hmm. entry has specified. (laughs) Complete with helpful illustration. That's what this is. Oh, God. Complete with helpful illustration. Why is that on the internet? Why is that on the internet? That's unnecessary. Right. We do not need to be teaching people how to kill themselves. This is not okay, Wikipedia. Thank you. That's what I said. Why? I almost want to look up and see if that is a real Wikipedia page. Yeah. But then also I don't want to because then You're I'm going to get... end up on a watch list. I'm going to get on a watch list. <laughs> also, who this the fuck wrote that up. Wikipedia page? Who thought that was okay? <laughs> Very sick, twisted bastard, whoever that yeah. was. I don't know. And then, is there like other things on Wikipedia? Like how to poison people? How to kill Probably. people other ways? Like, this is ridiculous. Why? I don't know. We don't need a step-by-step tutorial on how to kill people. <laughs> okay, yeah. Sorry. No, you're that good. <laughs> so... He has the, the noose wrapped around, you know, his neck, mm-hmm. and it's connected to the tree or whatever, like the Wikipedia article said. <laughs> and he's standing on a stool. Um, the footstool rocked back and forth unsteadily beneath his feet. He listened to the crickets and felt the night breeze. He was thinking about how he was hoping that Frankie, Arlene, and Ollie had not gone very far, at least not yet, and that he could catch up with them in the afterlife. It's um, an odd sense of logic. I don't. Yeah. I mean, obviously, no one knows how the afterlife really works. But mm-hmm. I mean, I was raised Catholic, and that's not really how. I mean, we're told it works, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. Um, he he also knew that he just really did not want to attend a double funeral at the same uh, mortuary that would be also burying the man responsible, as he puts it the man responsible for the deaths of his family members because apparently terry is also being buried at the same pretty much the same time at the same place well i don't think it's a very big town right well in the book it's definitely a bigger town than in the show yeah but i mean like still like they talk about their dinky little police station they've got like three detectives one's like away one's and pregante one's very very pregnant yeah. and then ralph is out right now so there's literally just like the chief of police yeah. is the only person right now yeah you find out in a little bit and it's just crazy right so very small town and everyone's getting buried at the same place so he's like fuck mm-hmm. that i definitely don't want to be there for that so i'm just gonna kill myself so he kicks the just, foot just don't go just don't go to the funeral like <laughs> I mean, I know that seems an awful thing to say, but, like, if you really can't handle it, I think people would be okay. You know, they wouldn't be upset that you didn't attend the funeral. I mean, you just lost your whole fucking family in, like, three days. So, that's just crazy. So, he kicked the footstool, and he wanted to hear the crack of his neck and to see the bright light where his family was at. Wait, can you hear your own neck snapping? I don't fucking know. 
I think you would, because I think you would hear it, and then you would die. Yeah. I think it would be a pretty much, like, instantaneous if you did it right, obviously. I don't know, and I don't ever want to know. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But that's what he was hoping for. But instead, he read the Wikipedia article wrong, and (laughs) he did not snap his neck. He was just being strangled. So his body went into survival mode, and he grabbed the rope and pulled. He was able to get a breath in. He tried to grab the branch that the noose was tied to, but he was not a fit man in his middle age, and he could not get it. So he gave up and tried to just hold himself so he could breathe. He called out, but no one could hear him, considering it was 4 o'clock in the morning and everyone was asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so he stopped breathing eventually. Um, he s- could feel the blood trapped in his head pulsing, and in his mind he was saying to himself, it wasn't supposed to be like this. So, pretty fucked up. <laughs> it is. I just think it's interesting that his body just naturally went into that fight mode, and yeah. even though he wanted to die, he was still fighting it. Right, and that's probably what would happen. Anyways. I mean, yeah. Probably. I've never yeah. been in that situation. I hope to never be. Yeah. So. <laughs> but, so the last thing, before Fred passed out, he saw a man standing on the patio in moonlight. Oh, yeah. One hand resting possessively on the barbecue where Fred would never grill another steak. Or maybe it wasn't a man at all. The features were crude as if punched into being by a blind sculptor and the eyes were straw. Hmm. Bum, bum, bum. I mean, hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it is something weird, supernatural. Uh-huh. What if you can, like, morph in other people or something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The weird. Scarecrow Man, that's Terry. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> End of section five. Yep. Shot. I'm good. Shot. Okay. <laughs> that did not take much convincing. <laughs> section six. What was that? Section six. <laughs> okay. Section six. Uh... June Gibson, whoops, I almost stopped. Store the vodka. Open vodka, that'd be bad. There we go, our security deposit. Okay. <laughs> June Gibson, uh, the Petersons' next door neighbor. Also, I thought this was interesting. The woman whose lasagna Arlene Peterson had dumped over her own head before she died. <laughs> That's fucked. <laughs> Isn't it? Um, I didn't write down, like, the disease she had, but she has some sort of. Yeah. She's, she's an old lady, okay? Yeah. And she has. Like, constant pain, pretty much. Yep. So, pain was running down her left side from the small of her back to her ankle, and laying down intensified her pain, so she was awake watching an infomercial for sexy abs on TV, and she was playing solitaire on her iPhone. The infomercial was muted, so she heard, um, a gunshot from next door, clearly. Her immediate thought was that Fred Peterson had just shot himself. She rushed outside as fast as she could, Noticing this, her her pain is rough this entire time. Mm-hmm. Her pain was intense, but she dropped her cane to run to Fred. Turns out it was not a gunshot. Um, he had a rope around his neck and a tree, br- the tree branch that the rope was tied to, like, broke and apparently sounded like a gunshot. Yep. Um, so she loosened the rope around his neck in hopes he would breathe again. He did not. So she started CPR on Fred. What? I think it's interesting that, so, because of his weight, he could not pull himself and grab the branch to save Mm -hmm. himself but also because of his weight the branch broke Mm -hmm. and notified his neighbor right so it's like you know 
Would he really have wanted to be any skinnier? Because maybe he'd be able to grab the branch and save himself. Or, you know, was it a good thing that he was heavier and the branch broke, making a loud noise so his neighbor would know? You know, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of a double-edged sword. I don't know. Sorry, continue. No, you're good. Um, Another neighbor, Mr. Jagger, from across the street, came over and asked if he was dead. June Gibson said, not if I can help it. She tossed her phone at Jagger and told him to call 911 and that if she passed out, he would have to take over the CPR. Um, she didn't pass out, and after 15 breaths, Fred took a breath and then another. She did the best chest compressions that she could manage. They could hear sirens in the distance eventually, and the EMTs made it, and one told her she did a hell of a job. Mr. Jagger said, you surely did. You saved him, June. You saved that poor bugger's life. She replied, maybe so, and maybe it would have been better if I hadn't. And, I mean, you find out later that he's literally going to be like a potato in the hospital, mm-hmm. so he's going to literally have no quality of life. It really wasn't. I mean, it was a good thing she did, but, yeah, I mean, didn't do a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that we know of. Maybe he, maybe he'll maybe. recover. You never know. Okay, that was all I had. All right, section seven. Okay. So it's eight o'clock in the morning, Thursday. Mm-hmm. So days passed. Ralph is cutting the grass in his backyard. He's bored and he's just trying to do things. He doesn't know what to do because he's on administrative leave, so he doesn't he doesn't go to work. Right. So he's just and chilling. I'm sure his job keeps him on his toes and keeps him working all the time, Mm -hmm. even without a case as big as this one. Right. So, yeah, he probably has never had the kind of time that he has right now. Right. (laughs) Kind of like everyone that had to quarantine. (laughs) Yeah. So he doesn't know what to do, but he's mowing the grass, uh, but his mind is on the case. He's just thinking about the case. Mm -hmm. That's when he receives a phone call from Troy Ramage. Mm. Um, He was one of the two officers that arrested Terry. He says, or, uh, Ralph thinks that that was, you know, it felt so long ago that they arrested Terry, when in reality it's probably only been, like, what, a week or something? What was, oh, my notes are for me, the, was the 10th the murder and the 12th the arrest? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, yeah, it's only been, like, six, six days. Six days, yeah. So, Troy says that he's at the hospital with Betsy Riggins, so Betsy Riggins is the other detective, but she's the very, very pregnant one. <laughs> yes. Um, so Troy says that he's at the hospital with her. Ralph just assumes that she's having the baby. Um, but Troy says, no, um, they're actually there because the EMTs brought in Fred Peterson. Mm -hmm. Uh, he tried to hang himself, but the branch broke and Mrs. Gibson gave him mouth to mouth and pulled him through. That's what, how he puts it. The police want her statement, even though they know why he tried to kill himself, obviously, because his whole family is gone. I think once... (laughs) Your son gets brutally murdered and raped. Yeah. <laughs> Your wife just dies of a heart attack after dumping a pan of lasagna on her head. Yeah. And your older son goes fucking crazy. <laughs> shoots the person who he thinks killed his younger brother and then gets shot himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think he had a very... I think everyone kind of understood why yeah. <laughs> he would try and hang himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the doctors say that he has minimal brain function. The chances of him ever coming back to like, consciousness is like one in a hundred, says Troy. Mm-hmm. Um, Betsy said that Ralph would have liked to have known, and that's why Troy called Ralph. And so Ralph says, you know, he almost threw up. So the reason why Troy is calling instead of Betsy is because Betsy is taking a statement from Mrs. Gibson, 
Gibson wanted to take it in the same room as Fred because she like felt guilty or, you know, she wanted to be there for Fred cause he didn't have anyone else. So she wanted to stay in the room with him and be right. there for him and all that kind of stuff. So, um, her back was still hurting <laughs> cause yeah. of her whatever. Ralph has this thought that Gibson was there because they had a connection uh, with the Petersons. Mrs. Gibson had a connection with the Petersons. Um, she watched the, her, you know, the boys, Ollie and Frankie mm-hmm. grow up. Um, she shared recipes with Arlene and she, you know, maybe she asked Fred to help shovel the snow. So, um, she was there out of sorrow and respect or guilt that she didn't just let Fred go is how Ralph yeah. puts it. So, you know, you don't know if <laughs> she should have just let him die or not, mm-hmm. but she saved him anyway. So, you know, we'll see how that, you know, impacts things. I mean, in the end, it's probably the right thing to do if you can try yeah. to help somebody. I mean, you should do it. You mm-hmm. shouldn't just let somebody die just because right. they really want to. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Ralph has this thought that's kind of twisted. Um, he says that uh, the killer wasn't content with just the boy, Frankie. He had taken the whole Peterson family in one clean sweep. So... Not the killer. Um, he, he's having this internal struggle. He's saying like, oh no, not the killer. It's Terry. Terry was the killer. No, no, there was no one else on the radar. It was definitely Terry. Obviously it was Terry, but it's clear. Cause, so he's kind of given in to Samuel's trying to convince him. Well, because in Terry. his mind, he's, you know, he's like, the killer wasn't content with just Frankie took out the whole family. No, it's Terry. Terry wasn't content mm-hmm. with just killing Frankie. You know, he, he's kind of, he just has to try to convince himself that it was Terry. Right. When, it, you know, he's not sure. He doesn't know who, you know, who the killer is. Right. But he's trying to convince himself that it's Terry because it's done as Samuels puts it. So Ralph says that Troy needs to get Betsy to go home. Um, he hangs up and then goes back to his lawnmower. But then another call comes through. Um, it's the DNA, DNA guy from, mm, you know, a few chapters right. ago. He's saying that they got the results in from the branch used to sodomize Frankie Peterson. The DNA samples match Terry's cheek swabs. So this is, like, the first, like, DNA real hard evidence that it was Terry's DNA that was, you know, at the crime scene. Right. Or the person they arrested. Right. We've right. We discussed this before yes. that the person they arrested... May have right. looked and sounded like Terry, but may not have been Terry. Yes. And maybe, maybe that's why the person with the eyes of straws is just now appearing, appearing again. Because now Terry is quote unquote dead. Dead. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a good, that's a hot take. It Let's would go. be, except that the show, that man appeared before Terry died. But, yeah, but that, you don't know if that guy had straw eyes. Right. I'm guessing the person that the girl, that the daughter in the show was supposed to have seen was, remember there was a weird, creepy guy that they panned out to when Marcy originally yeah. went back? I think that's probably who it's supposed to be. Right. Um, but, yeah. Sorry. My, my little take there. You're good. So, um, Ralph receives the information that the DNA matches Terry uh, he, Ralph says that you need to pass that information on to the chief and uh, Sablo because obviously Ralph is on leave and so right. he's not supposed to be on the case. Um, but the DNA guy says that's ridiculous um, that he's on leave. Ralph says that with Terry dead, they're just filling in the blanks. 
Um, they're not really, you know, hunting right. anything right now. So Because they expect the case is... Because they think the case is closed right, right now, pretty much. I mean, it's the OBI open, but inactive. Right. So it's inactive right now. So Ralph says that filling in the blanks is important because just in case if Marcy tries to sue them, the DNA might convince them mm-hmm. to stop the suit. Um, so the DNA, DNA guy says that Ralph should have gotten a medal instead of being put on leave. You know, he's very... Hoorah, cop, you know, mm-hmm. this fucker should have been killed a long time ago. Like, yeah, no, he's definitely on the side of fuck Terry, you know. Right. Um, so Ralph stops the call and continues his mowing. Um, he's thinking about that Edgar Allan Poe story that his wife was telling him about um, and how they now have real evidence, yes, hard, real, you know, evidence. They had fingerprints at the conference, but those could have been planted but, you know, now they have real real DNA evidence. So Ralph is thinking how... He's, like, muttering to himself, a man camping in two places at the same time. Jeanette is standing at the doorway and asks if he is talking to himself. He says he must have because there, one, there was no one else there. She said that she's there now, and she asks him if everything is okay. He says no, and then he tells her about Fred killing... Or trying to kill himself. Mm-hmm. Ralph says that he's going to go to the station and look at the scrap of paper that was in the back of the white van that they didn't really look at right. in evidence. Um, Jeanette says that he needs a shower first <laughs> because he smells. Apparently. And she says, you'll get through this. You will. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Shot. Okay. Section eight. Um, Ralph had never been on administrative leave before, so he wasn't even sure if he like could go to the police station. He went to the dispatch desk and asked Sandy for the key to the evidence room. She gave it to him without hesitation. I think it said she even, like, was looking at a magazine and didn't even, like, look up from it. Yep. Uh, So he found... There were apparently only, like, two boxes of evidence, because most everything's digital now. Um, A box... He found a box labeled Van slash Subaru and found a scrap of paper. It was blue and roughly triangular. And at the top, in bold black letters, was Tommy and Tup. The paper was, like, torn off after, like, the T-U-P on Tup. Mm-hmm. In the upper corner, there was a drawing of a pie. He put everything back in the box and left. He asked Sandy, like, he wrote it down in his notebook, like, what it said on it, too. He asked Sandy if those words meant anything, and she said no. He also asked Officer Gold and said Tup is an old-timey British, British slang for screwing, but said to Google it. Um, so Ralph called his wife, and she said that it might stand for Tommy and Tuppence, uh, cutie-poo detectives that Agatha Christie wrote about. Um, there's a Tommy and Tuppence pub cafe on Northwoods Boulevard in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, he found out, and I think he Googled that, the Tommy and Tuppence, mm-hmm. and found that. Um, yep, he did. Which is interesting, because Terry had said the last trip he had taken recently was to... Dayton, Ohio, on the girls' spring vacation, and they went to see um, his Terry's dad. Um, Ralph calls Sablo and asks him to reach out to El Paso, where the 12-year-old had gotten caught, and wanted to know if the kid ditched the van somewhere near the Tommy and Tuppence. Um, asked if maybe the van was ditched sometime in April. The only hitch to that, like, thought process Ralph was going through is that um, Terry and his family flew on a plane both ways, so there's no way he could have taken the van. Right. But he could have stashed it somewhere. Or, that's where somebody could have seen him. Right. 
where the scare the, uh-huh. the, the scarecrow man could right. have seen him and taken the fucking van. Right. Oh yeah. So the chief walked in and scowled at Ralph and said he wasn't supposed to be there and to go home and mow the lawn or something. Ralph said he already did that, but cleaning out the cellar was next. And the chief told Ralph he was sorry as hell about everything. Yeah, about him being on his leave. Yep. Of that section. So yeah, next week we'll continue with this chapter, starting mm-hmm. with section number nine, nine. Uh, in this book. So yeah, this yep. book's getting pretty juicy. Yep. A little creepy too. Yep. Not liking it. <laughs> Don't like horror. You better not get there. Thanks for listening, and you can find us on Instagram under Boozy Books and Movies. That is all spelled out, no spaces. Our Twitter is at Boozy Book Movie. Our email is boozybooksandmovies at gmail.com. And our PayPal uses that email also if you'd like to donate to us. Thanks so much, and don't forget to listen every Monday. Bye.